everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief at Anime Feminist and I'm joined today by Dee and Fry Kaiser. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Dee Hogan, a writer and editor for Anifem and I'm also the owner of the Friendly Neighborhood blog, The Jose Next Door. Uh, you can find me at tw- on Twitter at Jose Next Door. Uh, my name is Fry Kaiser. You can, uh, I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist and you can find me on Twitter at Writer Vry and all over the internet doing the things. And the thing we are doing today is watching the Netflix adaptation of Death Note, which <laughs> has had mixed responses, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way so to So my it. understanding, <laughs> mixed reviews. Uh, my understanding is that Dee has seen it and is for some reason willing to see it again. Which I am. I'm pleased about. Vry and I have not seen it we're not going into this completely uh, unaffected we have seen responses on Twitter and so on but we're going to try and stay open minded we're going to have a short discussion now just to say uh, what our background with Death Note is and what we expect going into it and then afterwards we will come back and share our thoughts so to start with then what is your background with Death Note for both of you Dee let's start with you uh, sure. Okay. Um, I, I've, I've not read the manga. I watched the anime in college. Um, I have a very clear memory of binge, wa- of binge watching it, um, in my sophomore dorm room. Um, I had a really hard time getting into it because I found light to be the most unlikable character I think I'd met up to that point. Um, but then I kind of got into the, then I sort of got into the cat and mouse game between him and Elle and I got sucked into the story and I had a really fun time cheering against him pretty much start to finish. Um, (laughs) so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in the, in the light is light is a terrible person camp, I guess. Um, and I've never had any desire to go back to it. I mean, like it was, it was one of those kind of fun experiences while you're watching it. And then I was good. I never, I didn't have emotional attachment to like <laughs> anybody in the story. So once I knew how it ended, I didn't need to see it again. Um, I guess that that's, that's about my experience with Death Note. And now, and now I have seen this, this live action film. I've not seen the Japanese live action films. So. Okay. Uh, right. How about you? Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good start I was in it to win it with Death Note when I was in high school oh wow I did not know this like I, somewhere on, on Live Journal, in it, there may still be existant fan fiction that I wrote <laughs> oh no that's amazing. I like as early as late as I think in I think in 2014 I did like a list of my top 20 anime um and it was still clinging on to the, the near the, the near the bottom of that list on sheer nostalgia. Um like I don't think I'll ever be able to shake the, the fond like the deep bedrock fondness that I had for this no matter how no matter how loudly I acknowledge that it's deeply misogynistic and the back half has horrible pacing issues and like i i can cop to all of that but also like my heart though like my heart though <laughs> like i saw the anime i read the manga i saw the horrible japanese films i know about beyond birthday who is a shitty like no joke no joke you guys he's a clone or he he's he's a doppelganger of L who was born with shinigami eyes and he takes place in a prequel light novel and you don't understand this is my fushigi yugi d 
<laughs> I was going to say, I, I think we've all been here with shows. I don't think I realized how, how deep you were into the Death Note. That's that's amazing. I had no and, idea. And, but yeah, we, and, we've and, all been there with different shows. And, and like, I still cry over what a wasted character Misa is because she could have been so great. And Mello is like proto-Yurio and you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's a chance that this adaptation will have some improvements do you say nothing just yet mm-hmm. so my background with death note is that i i it, it, you have to look at the times it came out it actually the manga came out um pretty much when i started going to university to do japanese studies and was in the anime society and at that time death note built up a bit of a reputation for itself just as a manga Mm-hmm. Um, and then the anime came out pretty much when I stopped watching anime. Oh, okay. So I knew the story. I'd started reading the manga. I don't think I'd finished it at that point. Um, but the live action film started coming out when I was in Japan. And so I've seen actually more from uh, more from a typical Japanese person's perspective, I think, because most Japanese people have not seen the Death Note anime. Um, but they may have seen the live action, at least one of the live action versions um, and some will have read the manga. Um, and I read, I watched part of the anime recently and I was really impressed by it, actually. I, I think I would have really liked it had it come out when I was watching simulcasts. I think I would have really enjoyed it. Um, but I read the manga, I watched the live action films and this was before, or one of the live action films at least, before identifying as a feminist. So a lot of stuff that Maybe it slightly bothered me then, but, you know, I didn't think too much into it. Since then, I've kind of logically built up a bit of a resistance to it. So I'm really keen to see how this adaptation actually might address some of those things by adapting it for a different culture that does have a more surfaced discussion of feminism, I guess. What do you you think, Vry? Is there anything you're particularly hoping for from this adaptation or dreading honestly if it if it manages to be it to surpass cringy and ascend to the land of camp as fuck i'll count it as a win <laughs> uh d i know you've seen it but before you saw it what were you thinking what was like your best case scenario or worst case scenario for i had i had very tentative hopes that it was going to do something really interesting with um social commentary about America, especially with the way they, they decided to cast it. Um, I had a feeling that would not be the case, but I was like, when they, when they cast a white dude as light, um, I mean, obviously there's the issue of whitewashing, um, that, that has been discussed a lot. And I think it's, I mean, obviously it's a valuable issue, but in the context of setting Death Note in America, it made sense to me because the whole point of light is that he's like this upper middle class, average man with like all these entitlements who kind of feels like he can do whatever he wants. And if you're going to map that into America, I think a white kid is probably the the way to go. Um, and then they, and then they cast, and they cast Lakeith Stanfield as L and I was like, okay, are they going to do something with this? And I was tentatively hopeful that they would while being reasonably confident they would not. And so that was kind of my, that was kind of my like best case scenario was maybe they'll actually do something with this because the original Death Note does have some social commentary in it as bombastic and melodramatic as it is. Um, it is there. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe they'll, maybe Misa won't be um, just like a passive clingy light um, fangirl. Um, and that would be cool too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, those are those are the most best case scenarios you can possibly get. Um, worst case, it would be so boring I would hate it and not even want to finish watching it. Like that was my worst case scenario. 
Oh, hey there, Last Airbender. That was exactly <laughs> my experience, except substitute boring for enraging. I couldn't get past... I think I stopped. I rage quit 12 minutes into that film. So that's probably my worst case scenario for... I saw that movie twice. Literally. I saw that movie oh twice, God. you guys. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it was fine. I watched it with friends and we MST3K'd it and we had a good time. But that's really the only way you can get through it. It is a train wreck of epic proportions. Um. <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm doing now. I mean, it's it's coming up 5.30 in the evening for me in the UK. So I will be drinking while watching Death Note. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry that the both of you are in time zones where it's a bit earlier in the day. You still have things to do, so maybe won't be drinking. Oh. Although if you are, I fully support you. <laughs> don't, don't judge me for the boozy hot cocoa sitting next to me. Um, just because I, it's 11 a.m. doesn't mean I can't have boozy hot cocoa. I, I would have had a full pint next to me at that time in the morning, so yeah, good on you. <laughs> You've kept it sophisticated, I approve. I'm classy. I just want to talk about the whitewashing issue just for a second. Yes, um, absolutely. I do think that it's, it's do. a very important issue. Um, I have pretty much the same feelings as you do, Dee. Mm -hmm. I think that the way it worked within the context of Death Note, um, Light had to be a part of the ethnic majority, mm -hmm to try and tell a story with similar social commentary to that that the original Death Note has. I think they could have used a Japanese-American lead and told a different story, Absolutely. perhaps one looking at the idea of the model minority, for example. Mm. Um, that would have been equally fascinating. I would have been 100% up for that. Yeah, it is too. a different kind of storytelling, a different uh, going into different commentary than we would expect from a privileged white dude at the head of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that the decision in this case... It doesn't, it's really difficult because those people who say it was whitewashing, like valid, <laughs> valid point, I'm not disagreeing in the slightest. I don't think that the decision to make it about a white guy, uh, it doesn't come across as the same kind of thing to me as what they did with Avatar The Last Airbender, to use an example that just came up. Or Ghost in the where Shell. It, it, or Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a really good, good example. Where it actively erased... Uh, cultural commentary. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. and maybe we'll get into this um, more after. But I, we, I've we will. We'll talk about how what they oh, did no, with the movie affects their casting choices. A hundred percent, we will. Well, I can well, say just that. in terms. But, but like also, um, you know, as I've gotten older and learned more about the differences between America and Japan's justice systems, I've grown more and more skeptical as to how much we're supposed to think that light is a misguided idealist as opposed to an asshole and that's become increasingly troubling as i've gotten older In, what can you just rephrase that for me so uh, no yeah yes yeah, sorry um because you know like light is a character who essentially has a god complex but with um as as i've kind of gotten to know more about japan's legal system their arrests um philosophy as I understand it, is very much if you are arrested, you're probably guilty of a crime. So in that context, oh, light is more like, well, you're killing people who are already in prison and they should have, you know, they, they're they probably guilty. They probably deserved it kind of thing. So it's maybe a lot, maybe we're supposed to be going with him a lot longer before he jumps off the slippery slope than I think an, an American reader might initially think. And that's very uncomfortable to me <laughs> looking back Although on it. Although I mean, and say, I mean, you say that, but I know a lot of. I mean, I have I have friends who I like a lot who mm -hmm. like were on Light's team. They were on Team Light. Oh, um, oh, I remember so, Light is right. I and I always hated it. Uh, Ooh, yeah, that's an awkward catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it was. It was a lot. <laughs> well, I'm highly in favor of adaptations in general. I love it when you take an older story and you say something new with it. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of recontextualizing something to to say something new. Yeah. Um, so I I don't fall into the group of people who were upset about whitewashing in this instance. Um, I'm, I'm usually completely with all of you. But on this particular one, I thought instantly there is a lot that you can say about a privileged white guy with a God complex right now that would be extremely important for people to see. Yeah, that's so where I was I too. Would, I, yeah, I would love to see that story. I think it's probably time if we go and watch it and see if that's the story that we get. All right, let's do it, guys. Annie fam, we'll see you on the other side. So we just watched... Netflix Death Note. We sure did. I hate it. <laughs> oh, you you didn't you didn't enjoy it, right? I hate it. <laughs> this is very surprising to me. Would you, would you like to would you like to elaborate on those? This is a, a bit? very strange experience for me because, like, my family is a trash family. We enjoy watching things that are bad. But it's it's rare that I watch a movie that I nod and say, yes, this is very make funnable of also I hated it. <laughs> what did you what did you hate specifically about it? Uh, I'm sure there's only one or two things. Just a few things. Yes, just it's like watching a monkey's paw of things I wanted to change about the original anime. I was hoping you'd go into this. Please list those things and explain how Netflix didn't quite deliver. Well, because the the one of the things that I think we can all acknowledge for well, actually first, let me acknowledge that I don't think that the original as much as I have a lot of nostalgia for the original anime, I don't think it's any kind of sacred text. In fact, bagging on Death Note is a hobby I highly encourage. <laughs> But like you bag on half the stuff you love. This is true. That's how you show affection. <laughs> but it's it's all it, I'm more annoyed that this didn't do the things that that I found interesting about the original and also did not have anything else interesting to replace those things with. But for the monkey's paw thing, you know, most of the characters in the original are soulless sociopaths, which is why the couple really big emotional moments like Elle being sad in the rain and Matsuda shooting the fuck out of everything at the end are some of the really memorable moments. Yeah. So I thought, I wish that some of the characters would display more emotion. <laughs> you got it. Womp. <laughs> I wish Monkeys that... poor curls one finger. <laughs> I wish that Misa had a more active role in the plot. Monkey's Ooh. paw curls two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to stop wishing for things. You you need to stop wishing for things. The universe will not deliver no. as you hope. No. I, <laughs> like I just I really uh, one of the one of the biggest failings of the original anime I always felt like was that there was no moment where where like when Elle is dying, spoilers, this anime is like 12 years old i don't care when l dies there will include a note <laughs> don't worry the, there's there's no moment where light is like oh shit i have lost the only person i can relate to on any kind of in- who who can like stand toe to toe with me on any intellectual level there's no moment of regret there and and so all any emotional de- you know investment goes oof and it goes away and and there's and there's still not that there's still no mutual respect <laughs> there there's just I don't know. I don't know. What is it doing? What is happening? 
I have a very clear take on what's happening. What's happening is that putting a white guy at the head of this story meant they needed to make him sympathetic. They need him to make him worthy of redemption. And they needed to make it possible for viewers to absolve him as much guilt as possible. And apparently that was put the- him in high school so he's also an idiot. Um, <laughs> but yes, you are correct. Um, no, that is that is what they did. It was very character. frustrating. Right from the start, they've got... Uh, there was something really clear that happened at the beginning. I'm sorry, I'm a few glasses of wine in. Rightly so. So my memory recall isn't quite as sharp as it could be. All right, we took notes. But basically a lot of people go through... Uh, stages of making him seem better than he is. So let's talk about Mia. Let's talk about Mia and how her entire role seems to be Lady Macbeth, Cersei Lannister. Let me show you how much better you are by showing you how much worse I am, thus lowering the bar and making you seem marginally better by comparison. Yeah, but Cersei Lannister and Lady Macbeth are much better written characters. Mm -hmm. Agreed. (laughs) A million percent. Not denying Um, that whatsoever. But that was essentially her role, right? Was to make Light look more sympathetic by existing name. Yeah, it was... um, So when I was first watching this with some friends, we got to, like, the very first scene of the two of them sitting on the bleachers and her being like, man, I wish I could have seen that guy die. And I was like, oh, she's going to be the evil woman who tempts him to stray from the path of justice. And my friend kind of chuckled and was like, I don't think that's what they're doing with her. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And... uh, (laughs) My sweet summer child... (laughs) Um, and then, and then we just, we watched exactly that happen for the next hour and a half. And I was like, okay, so we just, we took a different kind of sexist route with basically like, it was like, okay, Misa is the sexist stereotype of the passive woman who does everything for the guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mia is the sexist stereotype of the evil woman who uses her wiles to control and turn the, and turn the man away from a path of goodness. Yeah. She's Eve, right? She's Eve. And that was... Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, there are so many women. This is an archetype. <laughs> and they just slotted her neatly into that archetype without actually giving her a character. Now, I'll be honest, I was snark sweeting a lot of this, so there are things I missed. But is there any point where we're given a reason, a justification for why she's so keen to see justice meted out on these people, the way that we get a justification for light wanting to see people brought to justice? Do we get that from Mia? Not that I saw. No. Yeah, not that I saw. Um, no? Okay. No, we don't yeah. really get Great. that. She's, she, she makes one comment about like like something to the effect of like, I'm just a cheerleader. My life hasn't meant anything up to this point. And that I hated that. It's a terrible line. Yeah, my life. They put all the worst lines in, in, in Mia's mouth. And this movie has a lot of bad lines. So that is saying something. Oh my goodness. And like, yes. You know, the, there, one thing I can say for Misa is she's terribly written and she completely loses any, like she has a very promising start. She comes off as this character who is vengeful and wants to believe in this thing and sticks around with this guy maybe because she doesn't, feel like she deserves any better and maybe has some survivor's guilt and I think she has a lot of interesting potential as a character and it hurts me but like so there's that stuff is all at least initially there and just never gets explored Mia is a completely flat character all the way through Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely she's there to serve a purpose for Light's character not to exist as a character in her own right no whereas Issa is pretty awful but she is a character um She's, she's one of the flatter characters in Death Note, yeah. 
but she is not as bad as Mia, I would say, if we're in a hierarchy of terrible female characters within this franchise. I mean... Like, Mia's pretty low for me. Yeah, I don't know. I I think... I, I guess it I guess it depends on, on what's what's the worst thing for you, and I would... I think I would almost a character have agency and be just a, just a shitbag than um, be completely passive, so I might give, oh, I might give totally Mia right. a little bit of a nudge just in terms of personal preference because of that. Do you know what? They are... They are equally terrible. But, yeah, they're both. I'm calling it executive yeah. decision, guys. They are equally in terrible. If they were in our, ways. <laughs> yep. if, if they were in our premiere episode ranking, they would both be in pit of shame. <laughs> they are bad female characters. <laughs> we're decreeing it. Yeah. Well, well, Mia didn't have a female coded Death Note who died because she loved her so much, or, oh. or Death God. Yeah, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. there is that. I had. I had forgotten about that. I'm so glad we have a, a Miles equivalent for Death Note on this podcast with us. Very pleased. This lives in my uh, head now. I have valuable brain cells dedicated to, <laughs> to Death Note minutia. It, well, it feels like they made Mia the character that Light actually is in the original Death Note. Um, yeah. not, as, yes. not as clever, necessarily. Yes. But um, <laughs> that, same, that same very, like, doesn't really have any kind of backstory reason for what they want to do, except that it's kind of a power trip. I don't know why they, well, I mean, we know why. Um, Amelia, Amelia said it right from <laughs> the beginning. I have no idea why. Why they felt the need to turn light into a um, working class um, mom died tragically, uh, bullied nerd with a white knight syndrome. Uh, I can't imagine why they did that. And then went out of their way to absolve him of any guilt. I just remembered the major thing that they did. The major thing that they did was set Duke up as the tempter in this situation. Yeah. Saying, Come on, you know you want to. Mm-hmm. This is all you have to do. You just have to go ahead and kill this guy. The whole point of Light's character was that he absolutely naturally fell into the idea of killing people in the name of justice because he felt it was the right thing to mm-hmm. do. Yeah, Ryuk didn't even show up until after Light had already killed at least one person. Exactly. And then Light was like, fantastic, you can see what I've done. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is... Yeah, anime... This is just what I've done. Anime Ryuk is an entirely neutral force. Like, he drops it exactly. and he sits back and watches mm-hmm. the entire way yeah. through. And instead, in this version, he is the reason we don't entirely blame Light. Because, you know, he wouldn't have done anything with that note if Luke hadn't made him, right? Hadn't tempted yeah. him. And then later we get Mia saying, no, 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 you shouldn't feel bad. Actually, this was an interesting moment where I watched it with my muggle friend Mm -hmm. and Light saying, oh, I feel really bad about what I've done. And I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. And my friend was like, no, no, no. When, When soldiers, for example, kill people, they suffer for it. You know, they have trauma, they have stress. And I was like, oh, yeah. That is very true. They could have actually done something interesting with the idea of a Light who feels guilt. Mm -hmm. That's not what they did here. No, no it, it was really clear on that. It was the scene from Hannibal and also interview with the vampire, except that I don't love this thing. God kills indiscriminately. And so shall we. Ah, yes. Yeah. Where the where the main character feels some guilt and then is taught not to by an outside force so that they then let's be honest, so that he then feels comfortable killing again, right? Yeah, pretty much. And also that other person is usually the love interest. Yes, because, oh, oh, I love that, that opening, the opening juxtaposition of sex and death, <laughs> specifically sex and murder, oh my 
wow. I <laughs> Women are terrible influences, guys. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just leave them all alone. What offends me is that the gore effects aren't even that good. I love a splatter movie. Reanimator <laughs> is one of my favorite films. And this is disappointing. Stop the podcast. Rise got it. That is the most problematic thing we're going <laughs> to find. The gore just recording. wasn't very good. No. It wasn't very good. It was underwhelming. It's very- Bad job, Netflix. Could have been better. <laughs> it's very cheap. Listen, if you want an exploitation movie that that's inviting us to revel, because let's be honest, the early part of the movie is inviting us to revel in the, the killing of these bad people. It's not even any fun. It's very, it's cheaply done. It's, oh, it's poorly shot and I hate it. And that was a very conscious decision they made, which I thought was quite interesting. A lot of the death is ostentatious. When we have that big moment where the FBI agents jump off the roof mm-hmm. en masse, it's a very ostentatious moment. It is, you know, it has a soundtrack. We'll get to the soundtrack. Oh God, yes. It has a soundtrack that almost glamorizes it and almost beautifies it. And that is very absent from the Death Note manga. Oh, it's there in the end. It's okay. That'll be interesting to compare. But in the manga, it's very clinical and it's very, it's very logical. And it's very thought out. And Light is trying to go under the radar as much as possible, unless he's trying to send a message. So in the anime, it's a bit more uh, glamorized. Well, um, yeah, because like the a lot of the deaths uh, are still run of the mill in the in the sense that Light is trying not to get caught. But you have like, you know, the potato chip scene because everybody knows the potato chip scene. <laughs> there is a whole montage early on of Light that that intercuts Light writing in the Death Note with people like dying, and there's like sweeping choir choral doomy music and like him swiping the pen with sparkles <laughs> across the page it's and, did you say doomy music <laughs> yes it i just want to be really clear <laughs> i was 11 in 2001 i picked up some things <laughs> rye is now happily engaged we just like to reassure everyone <laughs> It worked out. It's, it's fine. fine. I too am a functional adult. <laughs> Ostensibly. Um, yeah, the the constant uh, the the kind of the the juxtaposition between sex and death was it was it's pretty uncomfortable. It was also pretty standard for kind of American horror movie fare, right? This isn't. Oh yeah. It, it's this this isn't drawing from death note this is drawing from the horror genre as hollywood does it specifically the mid-2000s horror genre that's very slick Ooh. um and not a lot of grit to the kills the kills are very stylized um, and removed a step from from death uh this the early kills are very reminiscent of final destination but yeah uh it it reminds me of as pg-13 horror movies began to take over and uh, so you had you wanted to get the thrill of violence with as little of the grottiness and the impact. Like Texas Chains, <laughs> would you like would would you like a treatise on the evolution of American horror film? Because I could do that for you. <laughs> can you fit it into like five minutes? Because we can do. That. I mean that that's basically it. That that's basically what what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Summarized. Okay. Would you consider this a horror film though? To me, it it feels like it's supposed to be more like a detective thriller. I mean, no, it's, I wouldn't call it a horror film, but it's definitely in the early going drawing from that tradition, like very Final Destination. Can we talk for a second about the tradition it draws from? Because it, it absolutely taps into the 1980s. It starts off with these big, I, I, I didn't go to an American high school, but I'm assuming that the, it, the ticking of the boxes, the American football, the cheerleaders, the jock bullies nerd thing... That, that all came out very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it felt like they were deliberately trying to tap into something there. And then later you have this full on 80s soundtrack over a school dance. Um, I, you guys tell me like how, <laughs> how realistic did any of the school related stuff feel to you? How authentic did it feel and how nostalgic did it feel for this 1980s past that right now pop culture writers keep tapping into through things like Stranger Things, Ready Player One. We're seeing this over and over again. I mean, it's, I, I could, it's, it's a, it certainly uh, taps into not high school in the 80s in the way that John Hughes films rendered them. I don't know if it was anything accurate to actual life. <laughs> one of, like, the muggle friend I watched with at one point literally just said, breakfast club. Mm -hmm. That was the full sentence. That was the full sentence. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that is accurate. Your friend done got it. <laughs> She's a big fan of the 80s. She had very strong feelings about this soundtrack. I, I also think they might have been trying to evoke Carrie a little bit with the homecoming dance shit, but then they it never actually went anywhere, really. I mean, it just felt like, once again, it felt like writers looking back at their childhood and saying, oh, well, you know, if I'd been able to have a death note when I was being bullied, that was how it felt. Yeah. Like, did, did either of you feel the same or... Oh, oh no, this is absolutely a story that... You know how the Star Trek remakes are not actually remakes of Star Trek? They're remakes of the popular consensus that evolved over the years of what Star Trek was? <laughs> yes. This is also that. Interesting. Can you specifically list the kind of things you're talking about here? Um, well, we mentioned in the pre-show, I guess, that, you know... The, con the strong contingent of people who are on Light's side and know he's actually a cool anti-hero kind of thing. Yeah, it, I see a lot of that here. So the, the, just to quote you, Light is right. Yeah. You see that side. It was a thing. Right? Yeah, it was a thing. And I see it. And this seems to me the natural conclusion of what I observed extensively in fandom 10 years ago. I see. This is fascinating to me because I think the casting decisions suddenly become huge. When you put a white character front and center in a Japanese franchise and you go out of your way to change the essential nature of their character mm -hmm. to absolve them of mm -hmm. guilt. Yep. That's a very big and important decision. And they doubled down on that. Now, again, I was snark tweeting and I was possibly topping up wine, so I may not have seen all of this montage, <laughs> but were all of Light's kind of political victims people of color? I'm pretty sure ISIS was in there. Yeah. Um, so we well, had. He definitely killed um, what was basically Kim Jong Un, too. So. Um... We had an East Asian person. We had an Arabic person. I mean, we saw him kill um, white people, too. Like, his first two victims were white guys from the area who were being sure, assholes. But in the. In the big global sense, as soon as he, as soon as we shifted into montage, which, you know, again, 1980s trope, as soon as we shifted into the montage scene, it seemed like it was brown person after brown person after brown person. It was very uncomfortable. And then he sh he talks about how he's he's very cleverly picked the name Kira because that's a Japanese name. Oh my name. God, and I are, died. <laughs> and there are no Japanese people in America, no. obviously. My so he's very cleverly put the FBI off the scent. FBI, you're earning your money. Good job, guys. My skeleton unzipped my flesh suit and it ran away during <laughs> to that J line. To Japan, in fact. It is on a plane to Japan at the moment. 
to apologize for this film. (laughs) It was very uncomfortable. And when he, there's one moment, I even write it down because I was so snarky about it. But there's one moment where he uh, specifically says, um, no, L says that he used the, he used the name Kira. So he's obviously Japanese, except he's not. And this comes as a big revelation to everyone. What do you mean he could have a Japanese well, a vague Japanese name that's not a Japanese name and not actually be in Japan or from Japan. Yes. It was embarrassing. It was a really bad decision. As it was in Ghost in the Shell, I think, right? As soon as they actually incorporate the original Japanese identity, it all goes wrong. I mean, it was pretty wrong, but then it went wronger. Wronger. <laughs> so much wronger. Extremely very wronger. <laughs> it is interesting, like... Even before getting into all of the big shit that changed, a lot of the little shifts, like like you mentioned, Ryuk being a tempter, also the fact that Ryuk chose light as opposed to the arbitrariness inherent in the original story. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And on the name subject, the fact that he chooses his own moniker as opposed to having it assigned to, like, to him by the masses. Yeah, absolutely. And it's... And again, it, it feels like a way to make it a very white man's story, Mm -hmm. but not in a way that actually says anything about whiteness. Not directly anyway, not intentionally. It says plenty about whiteness. Mm -hmm. None of it flattering, I assure you. It's a chosen one self-determination narrative. And it's very weird. (laughs) And it's so frustrating because, again, like the decision to cast Light as a white person could, in the context of the original story, if they had made Light the Light we know from the original, would have Mm -hmm. been really interesting. Um, but it not only did perfect. they, but, so then it's like, so if you're going to change the writing, why, why now you're now it's just whitewashing. Like there's no, mm-hmm. there's no decision there. It's just, oh, let's make him a nice guy and also white. Um, I am a hundred percent on that side now, you know, before we watched it, I said, well, you know, I'm not in the camp that considers it whitewashing mm-hmm. because genuinely I believe that death note as a concept, as a framework, yeah. you could use that to tell culturally relevant stories across geographies mm-hmm. and across media. I do believe that. That is not what nope. they did. They whitewashed it so that they made straight cis white guys watching they, it feel good about their murderous intentions. Not only, that was all they, they did. They whitewashed it and they lightwashed it, I would say. Um, but um, They lightwashed uh, it. <laughs> well, they, they even did it worse than that because, like, you know, there's this... There's this running thing theme in the anime about how Elle and Light aren't so different after all because they're mm. both sociopathic assholes who are losing people who are who are using people. They just have different definitions of justice and they have and they're different levels of sanctioned by different groups of people kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this one, it, it seems to have taken that theme and, and decided to go in the version of look, or, under certain circumstances, anybody could decide to become a killer. But the oh. but the way it frames it is also like Light understands and he's trying to do the right thing and everyone's just against him and L is so emotional about the bad things he thinks this white guy is doing. Oh my god! And they the fact that they use Mia to accomplish that mm-hmm. really frustrates me. The fact that he sits there in this diner, he doesn't even try to hide his identity. He's just nope. like, well, I guess we'd better speak in coded terms now. We both know who I really am. Hey. And he says. What if there was someone worse? What if you and the person you're chasing actually have the same priorities? And I I have to admit, I love this moment when Elle, who is played by a black actor, 
says, you don't get to claim being misunderstood and in a complicated situation. Yeah. You've killed a lot well, of people. And the, it's, that's that like was the a beautiful one, moment. That's the one point in the movie where I think they, they, they almost actually hit on kind of the moral dilemma at the core because, like you said, like Elle says... Um, okay, you're coming to me and telling me this is a complicated situation that you're misunderstood. What do you think Kira would say to that? Um, exactly. Kira, just yeah, that, Kira would just walk you off a bridge, I think was the line. That is the That's one it, yeah. really, it's a really good little speech. That's it. That's the one. That's it. <laughs> hey, do you think they should have had Ellen Light interacting more in this film? Well, on, I mean, honestly, part of, part of it is my bias that the sexual tension between them is is one of the only thing that really holds up <laughs> about the original. <laughs> like once once Elle dies, I mean, the show falls apart. <laughs> I I agree with that, but as somebody who did not ship Light and Elle specifically, I think that they just would have gained so much more from more interaction between the two of them. Instead, they cast Mia as kind of the foil to Light. It's like look how bad Light could have been mm -hmm. instead of setting up Elle and Light as contrast, which is far more interesting much really it's, they just should have had more l the movie should have been about l what i'm trying to say yes. is give uh, lakeith stanfield a starring role in everything let's go with everything yes. i mean <laughs> didn't japan do this and the result wasn't great but oh, yeah maybe america can save let's it let's not speak about l change the world let's not do that <laughs> let's not do that it, yeah. yeah well and i i feel i felt for keith stanfield a lot during this film because in a, in some ways L is a cartoon character. He's a collection of ticks, and I, mm -hmm. I feel like Al Alessandro Giuliani, who is the best L, I'll put that card down, uh, did a lot. <laughs> like, was able to do a lot with that vocal performance and put a lot of nuance in it. But every, like, all every actor who's ever played L really struggles with this fact to try and find a consistency between, you know, the fact that this character has to just seem weird and alien for a lot of his time on screen because we're in Light's point of view. I appreciated actually that that was played by a black actor. Oh no, I think I he's thought... doing great. I just feel like it's it's hard material. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. It was it was just one of those things. There was a moment when I think it was just like Elle and Watari on the screen. And I think I got the feeling that Watari was, he's played by Paul Nakauchi, I think his name is. And I got the feeling that he was a native English speaker. Oh, <laughs> the way that he was like trying to pronounce things like a Japanese native speaker and it wasn't really coming across. It's, it was, yeah, it was an interesting choice to have him coming across as still a Japanese guy rather than just a Japanese American. Um, also the fact that Watari is just a plot device now. He's, he's, he's the most blatant, laziest plot device I've ever seen. Yeah. They yeah. did not it set up their relationship well enough. Because here's the thing. In theory, if you are going to just change everything about the original story, um, I think the concept of Elle having an emotional attachment to somebody and Light threatening that and seeing how Elle reacts to that, I think that's very interesting as a concept. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think they set up his relationship with Watari particularly well. So when he disappears, I didn't quite understand why Elle was as upset as he was. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Actually, he was very, because raging. there is, there is a legitimate, like you get to the end of the movie and L no one believes him. He's figured it out, but nobody's believed, nobody believes him. Um, and he finds that one page of the death note. And to me, that is, that is the only legitimate, believable, like moral conflict in the entire film is when he was mm -hmm. when he looks at that paper and he has the pin and I'm like, Oh, this is an interesting story. And then of course the movie ends. Of um, course. But 
Yeah. And again, I think Stanfield has a lot to do with that. I think he, I think he makes it. He makes it interesting. <laughs> and again, it's not. It's not, he's not necessarily the L of the original, but the script. I don't think the script really allowed for that anyway. So I think he mm. takes the character they gave him and makes him a good character. Um, yeah, which is mm-hmm. more than I can say for pretty much everyone else. Right. Um. Well, and it's 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 weird that they um, they added this father figure dimension with with Watari, which I'm I'm for um, if, like you said, it had been better built up to. But it's weird that they also sacrificed the the element that would have played against that perfectly uh, in the original anime, where Light claims to want to protect his family, but then once he's in a corner, he's completely willing to kill off his own dad to save his skin. Yeah, which... yeah, the fact that he doesn't even has he instantly says no, we're not killing my dad, and Mia's instantly like, yes, we are. Mm-hmm. That that could have been better. Handled, Again, it's absolutely. just this it's just this evil woman messing everything up, you guys. She messes everything yes. up. God. So let, this is an interesting kind of train of thought we're on. What would you have changed? So let's say we have it. We have a Netflix funded Death Note. We have a white character as the lead. We have. L being played by a black actor. We have Watari, who's a Japanese American. Let's let's go down this road. What would we have changed from what they've done to make it something that would have been actually interesting and engaging? And looking at it through a feminist lens, it would have been as non problematic as possible. <laughs> Is that too much to hope for, Netflix? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think right off the bat, you you make L an asshole. Like he, an entitled, an entitled ass, I should say, as as he is in the original. L-O-Light. Oh God, sorry, light. My bad. Yeah, Just light. Being clear yeah, on they that. They have the same letter. Asshole and... L could also be interesting, but um, I think with, no, yeah, you're focused. Yeah, on light. no, I think giving light that god complex he has in the original again, because if if that's the casting decision you're going to make, then it seems to me that you are intentionally mapping over the privilege and entitlement of the original character into an American setting. And if you're going to do that, then you have to also make the character have those same personality traits. Otherwise, like we've talked about, it's just whitewashing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's that. I've tried to think about how you could, how, how Misa or Mia, whatever you want to call her, I, I'm trying to think about how she can work in the context of the Death Note universe. And I think about the only thing you, I think there's like two things you can do with her. Either she figures out Light as a jerk and like, and basically switches sides. Um, or she's just as bad as he is and they're equal partners in being awful. Because then at least you don't have the evil woman temptress. You just have these two people who are kind of like, let's rule the world. Hell Yeah. Um, and that could at least be interesting um, to have them sort of working together against Elle. There was kind of a moment in this where it felt a bit Bonnie and Clyde, mm-hmm. as my muggle friend pointed out, again, with the non-Japan references. Um, and it, it did feel like that. It did feel like partners of crime. And they, they keep referring to us and we. We do mm-hmm. this. You know, this happens to us. But as you say, it didn't it didn't feel like an equal partnership at all. It did feel like vying for supremacy at every step of the way and emotional manipulation every step mm-hmm. of the way. It wasn't it wasn't what we, we could have had from a, a criminal relationship between lovers. Yeah, and that's a uh, that's an almost impossible to or character to salvage especially in the concept yeah. context of a of a 90 minute film mm-hmm. because like i was thinking well the, there's the fact that there's the there's the whole you know um gaslit and uh, survivor's guilt 
element of the character that could have worked in a TV series format. You could never do that in a film. You know, having her switch sides works better, but also that's like the long tradition of the weaker, more emotional woman who, who is who is swayed from one side to the other, and that's always a female villain. One thing I did appreciate about original Misa was that she figures out who Light is. Yeah, she's she has and a great introductory she, arc, and then it all goes away. She <laughs> Yeah, she figures out who she is. She comes to find him. She tells him, basically, you're stuck with me now. And so he has to find a way to incorporate her into, her, into his life. And she does not fit into his life. And I think all of those are elements that you could have translated into an American high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it still would have been perfectly valid and engaging right, to make her seem intelligent and not just evil i also don't really yeah absolutely i don't really get why they had why they put them in high school other than because somebody wanted to do some kind of campy throwbacks to 80s high school films mm. um bingo yeah. like i, I can't think of i can't think of right any now. other reason why you would put them in high school because part of i feel like original death note kind of works because they went out of their way to not make him the typical high school um protagonist like so he's i mean he's, he, he's a little he bit is in high school at the very beginning right he is in high school at the very very start when he picks up the notebook but yeah he, but he, he gets out and into university very yeah. early yeah like the the the, the, the he meets l at i think the uh in uh in introduction entrance, entrance ceremony for uh university yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah which is fairly early on um, much earlier on than they meet in the in the Netflix show where Elle's already figured it all out and Light's already desperate. Give me more Keith and Stanfield and give him better material. And it's Lucky, Lucky right? yeah. yeah. Lucky, excuse Lucky me. Stanfield. And they, yeah, they could have just fixed quite a bit by having them meet quite early on and having Light have to struggle against Elle rather than struggling against Mia. That actually yeah. would have solved a lot of problems if they just shifted the primary conflict. Have it be more of that cat and mouse, which is the most interesting part of the original. Why do you think they gave him a single parent household? Why do you think they, they made his dad a, a single parent? They gave him no siblings? Because they wanted, well, no siblings makes it easier for him to mess with the death note. Um, and uh, his mom's dead because that's his motivation for using the death note. It's tragic. And um, he's motivated by love and vengeance. And that makes him more uh, relatable and sympathetic. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's why. such a shame. If they... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I think I think you're right. I'm just, I'm just checking. There's no alternative uh, options because yeah, if they've made him from this Norman Rockwell family, like yeah. if it had been something like the early seasons of Mad Men, you know, that could have been quite interesting. Actually, you've got this this idealized family on the surface and then underneath. Yeah, to, I mean, to me, that's Ooh. a um, that really works well in the anime. Is that his family is perfectly normal and like his, his exactly. parents are supportive. Yep. He has a little sister with whom he has a good relationship, and he's still a fucker. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. He's there's, there's absolutely no justification for his murderous intent, except that he's privileged and entitled and, and thinks that he can just do these things. Mm-hmm. Thinks exactly. that he can he be God. Have empathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that would have translated so well onto white masculinity in America right now. That would have absolutely translated beautifully to be able to say something hugely relevant. And they threw that chance away. It's very frustrating. Yeah, and it's also, it. I mean, I understand why they cut Matsuda because there's not a lot of time in this in this compacted story that they're telling. But considering that one, one of the interesting things I always thought about Death Note is that it's a it's essentially a typical shonen series in some ways, but uh, our protagonist, like Matsuda is the shonen hero. He's just not the point of view character. Yes. 
That is fascinating. I've never heard that before. Can you just lay that out in a bit more detail for me? Because, like, he's the new rookie cop who really believes in his mentor, um, Light's dad, and they're struggling against this enemy they don't know, and, and, you know, Matsuda's kind of a screw-up, but he's doing his best, and he accidentally blunders into helping and harming with some things, and then at the end, he's the one, he realizes what's gone down, he loses his mentor and has to stand on his own, and he realizes he's the one who actually takes action against Light and shoots him so many times times and it's amazing i cheered i cheered when that happened in the anime so i was so good. happy that is so true that is so true and they could have used a matsuda style character as again another foil for light like this is this is how you could well, go if you, be, you hell, believe if, in justice honestly, that strongly you would have get the sense they were trying to merge l and matsuda in this mm-hmm. film because they didn't have enough time for all those characters. So you give L. He does have that scene where he runs with a gun and threatens light with like shooting him. <laughs> it just feels so weird. And, and the, the, the and... glorious parkour chase scene. I like that scene. Oh, I like that was, scene because light runs the way most people drown and it never <laughs> stops being funny. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually a very good callback to the swimming scene. Which is- and also the 1980s. Yes. So it really accomplishes multiple goals within itself. It's such a long chase scene. You get about, I don't know, about two-thirds of the way through it, and I'm like, okay, this is a parody. That was kind of the moment when I, well, I think Ice Cream Butler was the moment when I realized this movie was supposed to be kind of goofy, and I wasn't supposed to take it seriously. Um Ice Cream Butler, I thoroughly appreciate. And that was a moment where I was like, this is what you could have been. You could have been introducing kind of more Hollywood style humor and quirk in these little subtle ways rather than changing it wholesale so fundamentally. But I, I loved Ice Cream Butler. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, probably my favorite part of the whole that film. That and I, I love the chase scene and then the Ferris wheel exploding in slow motion with Chicago playing in the background <sighs> is a thing of beauty. Uh, it's so dumb. Exactly. It's so dumb. Beauty. Oh, and the- beauty. Is that the word we want to go with here? Is that is that the adjective? No, th- that is one of the moments where like the the film ascends into. God, this is dumb. God, it's so dumb. That and whenever they they led Willem Dafoe carefully onto set and said, "Okay, feel free to break out your Green Goblin voice again." <laughs> yeah, just just ham it up, Willem. Uh, he's pretty good at this too. Uh, <laughs> he's yeah, he's totally fine. Like he plays the he plays the role they asked him to mm-hmm. play. That's that's totally fine. But yeah, as we've noted, Nuke is much more a neutral presence in the original. And actually, if you're telling a story about privileged, entitled, elite kid is hugely arrogant and commits mass murder, then you want someone neutral in the background. You don't want to give him the get out clause of he's actually been influenced by a literal demon. Mm -hmm. Well, and especially because Light does try to blame Ryuk at certain points when he wants a scapegoat. Ah, yeah. One thing I actually really liked is the notes that they had in the in the Death Note. Oh my god! Like somebody saying saw Gravity Falls and decided that was a neat idea. <laughs> well, except I really appreciated except... it actually. The fa- when it says Duke's not your friend, don't trust yeah. him, and he's like, I know better. Don't yeah, summon then... under any circumstances. <laughs> yeah, but then do you? What is that? Oh, that's a Gravity Falls reference. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> summon. So... <laughs> um, except here's the thing. Um, Ryuk's name is in the Death Note, and later Light's like, I'm going to write your name in the Death Note, and Ryuk's like, nobody's <laughs> ever been able to do it. And I'm like, but it's right there. Oh, dear. So, oh, dear. So, did no what one go to read the script? <laughs> um, 
That's an excellent point that I hadn't considered. I do not pick up on plot gaps when I go through the first time. When I go through anything the first time, I'm like, that was amazing. It was so tightly plotted. <laughs> it's only later I have this stuff pointed out to me. Yeah, you're right. Huh. The prop nice designer had a neat idea and they just wanted to do a thing. Yeah, they didn't do anything with the apples either. I mean, other than... They just have them on screen constantly. Constant symbol of temptation. Do you get it, audience? Do you get it? <laughs> In uh, fairness. He's still eating apples. He's still dropping them. They are still showing up just around Light's furniture. That would attract insects. It That's how you disgusting. get ants. <laughs> do you that want ants? You get That's ants. how you get ants. <laughs> and if I'm readers, we care about you. Don't just drop half-eaten apple cores on the ground. It's very, very but, good. Oh, unless you're outside. That's fine. But, but like, oh, in fairness to the uh, to the movie, that is about the level of depth of, of symbolism in the anime. <laughs> true i mean it's not it's not subtle in either version um no the thing about animation though and the you know there are certain things that come across better in animation compared to live action and vice versa and the thing about animation is that you can do a lot of stuff heightened as long as you match it with the visual style overall mm -hmm. whereas when you're doing live action you have to be a lot more careful with that stuff because it it, it won't automatically come across as being stylized at all because it is just people on screen so i think that the anime automatically drops you into this world of expect things to be a apart from reality expect well, things to be quite yeah, different and Iraqi has a very particular um big explosive kind of style anyway yeah. mm -hmm. so that adds to it for sure not Again, I haven't seen the Death Note anime all the way through, but I remember I, I watched the the first few episodes for a review I did earlier this mm -hmm. year, and I was really impressed, and I felt like it did set a tone, and it matched that yep. tone. H having only watched um, <laughs> Death uh, of his work, having only watched Death Note and the first season of Attack on Titan, uh, what I've gathered about Araki is, boy, he sure knows how to make things look good. Human empathy, less so. Ah. And that's, you know, pretty appropriate for Death Note, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I appreciated how campy Death Note ended up, and I wonder if they'd hit that note earlier, more consistently, because there are moments earlier where the subtitle, square brackets, scream, shows up <laughs> repeatedly. Light scream when and... Ryuk shows up is an amazing scream. It is truly... <laughs> it's it good. is It's fairly high it, pitched. It breaks so glass a little it. bit. It's wonderful. <laughs> it is wonderful and I did appreciate it and I thought okay if this is where they're going that's fine but then it dropped into tropes mm -hmm. and that was uh, that was a bit misjudged I thought if they kept it at this kind of high camp level of, of self-deprecating mockery of the source material as a concept okay it wouldn't have been my preferred adaptation but I see where you're coming from and instead, it seemed like they dropped into tropes without keeping the high camp up until the very end when they have the big Ferris wheel thing and air supply playing and it was all... God. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate. If they'd been consistently at their level all the way through, it could have been a cult hit. That's, um, that's a really nice way of summing it up because there were... Like, I could definitely <laughs> mock this movie all the way through, mm -hmm. but there were only a couple moments where I could delight in how stupid it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. If we'd been able to watch it in a year's time, a la The Room, or something like that, I absolutely, I would, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of be on board. I'd say, okay, it's stupid, but it's clearly stupid. Whereas I think what we're left with is something that's far more frustrating. 
yeah just yeah. enough potential it hits it hit, like yeah it hits these it hits these really fun campy bits and then it slides into um just kind of frustrating like you said like tropey um sexist kind of high school movie bullshit mm-hmm. yeah exactly it does the opposite have you seen 22 jump street no but i've heard it's i've heard it's a fun adaptation it's- well, the first thing it does, 22 Jump Street, you know, these police officers go back to high school and the first thing it does is debunk their ideas that you still have the American footballers, the cheerleaders, the jocks beating up the nerds. Like, it, it completely subverts that in its opening season. It's like, what are you talking about? That was, that was 10, 20 years ago. And Death Note just slips straight back into that. And it just means the writers feel a bit out of touch. So, yeah, and it's... Go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was I was just th- I was trying to I got caught mid thought trying to think if anybody besides Mia really makes much use of a cell phone. Oh, good. Well, point. I when I was watching yeah. it with friends at the beginning, I was like, is this supposed to take place in the nineties? Maybe because it kind of feels like it is. <laughs> and then somebody was like, no, they have cell phones. And I said, okay, never mind. Um, right. It absolutely feels that way, though, doesn't it? This film could have come out when I was in high school and. Yeah, it would have felt completely relevant, except for the the futuristic cell phones they have. This is just me stealing a meme, but the photos of people putting um, God, what's the name of the guy who plays Light um, and is terrible? Anyway, yeah, that guy, Nat Wolf, Nat Wolf. Yeah, put it's just placing photos of him next to Tobey Maguire in Spider Man Three. No difference. <laughs> Spider-Man 3, which I saw in the cinema with school friends. Same yes. here. <laughs> yeah. And that is exactly how it felt. So I, it, it's just it's just further proof that we didn't need that doing an adaptation across cultures doesn't necessarily mean actually transferring the message to say something meaningful in the new context, which is really unfortunate because I do feel, as I said before, and as I will reiterate now, that Death Note as a concept, you could absolutely transfer in a way that is meaningful across geographies, across media. Mm -hmm. Netflix just failed. Let's be really clear on that. Remakes are great if they have something new to say about the material. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And instead, this just felt like, I read this on Twitter, but it feels like the bad guy from Ghostbusters, the reboot, who's obsessed with the fact that he was bullied and wants to take power yes. over everyone. It feels like that guy wrote the script. Yes, that's that's apt. Mm-hmm. Um, and So, overall, slightly disappointed. It, yeah, and it's, and you know, now that you say that, there's there's a version of this movie where you do still have light as this, like like angry nerd trope who's supposed to be heroic and then you just tear that systematically down start to finish in the film um but they didn't they went out like that would have been really interesting like if you want to go the route of like oh here's that 80s trope of the bullied nerd who you know then like takes power back yeah um via you know being a being a an an asshole uh functionally right um Mm -hmm. Well, There's a movie you can do with that where, again, like with, with lines like that one really good line Elle has um, where you can kind of tear that down, uh, but they don't. They go out of their way to make nothing his fault. Exactly. So. And they could have they could have even done more with Elle, actually. I mean, Elle says at that point, what would Kira have yeah. done? And it felt actually there was more you could have said there about, you know what, even if you admit to being a serial killer, you're a young white boy from a well-respected family, you're going to be all right. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas well, nobody imagine him. how it Oh, would... and hey, you know what we haven't talked about? Uh, the fact that the police officer puts the black man in a headlock. Yep, that sure happened. And it. And oh, my goodness. Then I quietly died inside. <laughs> then your, then your skeleton just left missed... for the moon. It was like, not yep. even Japan's far I missed away. that bit. Can you contextualize it for yeah, me? Yeah, um, so after Watari disappears, um, Elle goes over to Light's house and just like oh, sits yeah, down at the table rage. and confronts them. And Lakeith Stanfield makes the scene work, but um, he kind of gets up in, in Light's face and is like, if anything happens to him, I'm coming for you. And um, Light's dad, who I'm going to call Eli because that was his name when, on the character. It was James. James. Okay, well, that was, was his James. character on Boardwalk Empire, so that's his name forever. Um, <laughs> Eli, that'll do. Um, um, like, jumps up and, like, immediately puts Elena headlock and is like, don't you ever... Uh, what was it? Don't you ever threaten my son again or something like that. Uh -huh. um, and it's real uncomfortable. Oh, the commentary opportunities. The possibilities it's, there. It, and then it, but it ends up just being like completely tone deaf and real uncomfortable. Right. Because, like, yeah, you could have done something with the fact that L, yeah, L was making a, not a threat so much as a promise, but he never like raised his hand. Like these were, it, it was all words. Wow. I, I'm so sad I missed that. <laughs> I might have to rewatch this in a format where I'm able to take screenshots and <laughs> just do, do another live tweet, but actually being able to screenshot what I'm looking at and put it up with commentary. Because I watched this with my muggle friend who was equally horrified, but for slightly different mm -hmm. reasons. Um, but even, I mean, she picked up on the, the racial tone deafness in general. Yeah. Oh, um, there was one. As well. It's very blatant, even from the UK. <laughs> There, there was one line that I actually took down notes about um, that struck me as kind of a moment where where the movie put me squarely in fuck you territory, uh, uh -huh. and it's Ooh. it's during the uh, you know the montage the the murder montage of sex and death. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I called that on... the sexy high school murder montage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You the know, murder you know montage the montage of sex and death, the sexy high school murder <laughs> montage. These are all great names for book chapters, actually, guys. <laughs> but um. They, they put on a guy, like, who's clearly a conspiracy theorist talking about this is all a plan of the super elites, but it's, you know, and it's, it, this is all a false flag operation. And I'm kind of, at which point I'm kind of like, all right, fuck you, movie, because the original was kind of like about the super elite, the most intelligent, fast track to the highest power in the country, deciding what's best yeah. for everybody. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment, isn't there, where Elle's like, um, he's talking to Light's dad and saying, you're unusually bright, son. It's like, what are you basing that on? Right. Exactly. <laughs> there is, all we see from his time in school is that he, he stands up against bullies, maybe once. He does well, homework for other um, people. Therefore smart. Yeah, he's doing, oh, he's doing other people's smart. homework and that's supposed to give you the impression that he's like a, a, a intelligent kid with good grades um, to the point where everybody's kind of forcing him to do their calculus for them. Wow. Okay. This is. I may need to watch this again. He is getting paid for it. That, but... During during the opening um during the opening cheerleader high school montage, that there's a handoff of money. Oh, that's for right. He's getting. I forgot he's getting paid for it. Um, yeah. So it's not like he's being bullied into doing it necessarily. Um, this is such a different type of story. Like, do we think? Do we think we could have? done something meaningful with this like is that enough of a enough of a trope to actually say something important about society or is that just something from the 1980s that the writers want to i do, do think the... oh go ahead go ahead you mean the you mean the doing other people's homework thing 
I think yeah like so smart he does be other people's homework but isn't acknowledged as smart in school because he's in detention for standing up to well he's in detention for doing other people's homework because they catch him with yeah they catch him with the homework um you were up and down early in the at the beginning of this film weren't you um I was getting wine I was pouring wine it was very important that's the appropriate way to watch Death Note uh Mm -hmm. Death Note either version (laughs) really yeah um, so I do not blame you. No, he gets in trouble because, um, the homework like flies out of his bag and they catch him with it and they're like, oh, you're in trouble, mister. And I think maybe the point of that was to show that Light was already morally compromised. But again, then they spend the rest of the film like going out of their way to make it so that nothing's actually his fault. So I don't know. I, I, I feel mean, like he, the, um, he, the point of that scene was to put us in Light's camp because like he's, you know, he has that line about how what you care about the fact that i'm doing people's homework but there's people out there bullying and and it's like oh man the authority is corrupt someone should do something about this it's totally whack yo (gasps) there was there was a line there was a line i here we go he says in that scene you have the chance to stop the kinds of people who make things hard for everybody Mm -hmm. and i i just tweeted that with subtle (laughs) because it was it was so blatant. And yeah, I do remember that scene because he's saying, you found me unconscious, right? Why don't you care? And I think you're right. It was to put us on light side early in the film, which again is is kind of a missed opportunity because his actions should really should really speak for themselves. This relates to, to the death note. That That's where the interest is. Where do you as an audience member lie? Which side are you on? Because there is an argument for vigilante justice and there is argument against it within the text of Death Mm -hmm. Note. And it's a genuinely interesting topic. And as an audience member, part of the fun is in kind of thinking, well, you know, if I had the option, what would I do? And instead we just get, he's from a troubled background. He's, you know, in a position where people really don't care what happens to him. He's got a tragic past. And he's being tempted and seduced. By so many people. Exactly. Poor baby. Do we think that would have happened if it had been a Japanese American lead, for example? It's so hard to imagine the what ifs, truthfully. Um, yeah. Because I don't know if the script would have been the same or if it would have been different. I don't know when casting happens in relation to script writing for things like this. Like the, the way they sure. talked about it, they made it sound like it was supposed to be kind of colorblind casting. And I put that in quotes that you couldn't see. Um, <laughs> Air quotes. Yeah. Um, Do we but... think if it had been a Japanese American lead with exactly the script we got, that it would have come across differently? Yeah, I mean, I think it would have come across a little bit differently just in terms of, I don't know. Actually, now that I say that, I have to stop myself. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm qualified to have that conversation. It's, it's an interesting actually. question. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. This is as open to Anafem listeners as, Anafem readers, chatty AF listeners as anyone. I do think it's an interesting question. If, if you'd had the exact same situation, but it had not been a white lead, if it had been a black lead, if it had been a Japanese American lead, if it had been a lead who wasn't even American, would it have come across differently? Or would we still have had the same objections that we, we've discussed in this podcast? Well, I wonder, and I, I gen- I'm genuinely asking this question because I don't, I don't know. Um, would it have come across different with a non-white lead 
the elements because as a, with a white lead it really stands out these elements that are trying to forgive him and, and paint him as sympathetic if it was yeah. a non-white lead would it stand out the back half of the narrative where it's talking about oh you were so misguided and wrong to do this and you had no idea of the scope of what's going on you know as relates to people of color fighting back against their oppressors i genuinely don't know i'm asking <laughs> no i think I, th- I think that's an angle they could have explored if they'd had a non-white lead. And that's not something we'll find out. No. <laughs> well, I feel like there's a lot of ways this movie could have worked and none of them were the were the movie we saw. <laughs> and none of them um, were what they went to. Instead, we saw the movie I where think... the girl uh, yells at the guy for asking permission to kiss her, which was your first I clue that this was going to go awry. Um, oh, it was so bad. Yeah. And then later on, she says something about "Don't act superior to me for being a yeah. pussy." Yeah, it was just. It, were there any women writers on this stuff? <laughs> Did they have any hand in writing this female character? I don't know. But yeah, she. I genuinely don't know, but my guess would be no. Maybe I'm wrong, but my guess would yeah, be no. Yeah, it's really. She didn't ring true in the slightest on any level. Yeah. Well, and. and- like she could have been somebody even who's like there's plenty of re- reasons for a woman to want to take you know action against especially because absolutely they name drop a lot of rapists and and that kind of that kind of angle um yeah domestic abusers yeah great you could why didn't you do anything why does this movie do nothing exactly even her saying you you shouldn't ask about him kissing her like that is something you can do something with there are plenty of women who aren't who are kind of more susceptible to the idea that actually true romance true romance is passion without kind of checking in necessarily and that that's absolutely a common thing that people believe and using that as a theme and bouncing off that is something that you can do the idea that light should be in charge and she's just going to do what he says. And then her later on saying, no, actually, I, d- I don't just want to do what you say. I do want you to ask about certain things. Like she basically goes through that journey, but without framing it in that way. So it just comes across as yeah, I just... her being pretty awful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know if I have much else to add to that. She, uh, she, she just, she basically just gives him shit every time he is not like this, um, stereotypical image of um, like aggressive masculinity, and it's really uncomfortable. It's extremely everything uncomfortable. with Mia is bad. And, the- <laughs> and I think we've said this repeatedly now is that they could have made different choices and actually done something with all of mm-hmm. this. I think all of the choices that they made at the beginning of the film, they could have turned into something truly valuable, truly meaningful that made social commentary that we'd all be happy to discuss and it seems that they've tried to avoid all of the above most of the time (laughs) is that fair i think that's fair okay then i think we should probably wrap this Mm -hmm. up we've gone slightly over i'm sure you'll all forgive us we feel very strongly about this um (laughs) so thank you both um (laughs) this was an experience it sure was and i'm sure we'll have the chance again because it sounds like there are more adaptations coming up oh. so we haven't watched ghost in the shell yet there oh, is oh you meant other other movies i thought you meant there was going to be a death note too and i was like well <laughs> we don't Guess know we don't know but if there is if there is i'll probably oh, watch it and Vry will probably i mean watch it, let's i'm not honest. gonna lie this is a bad movie i didn't hate it i know Vry, i know you hated it um 
I didn't once I once Ice Cream Butler showed up, I was like, okay, I'm not supposed to take this seriously. And then I then I kind of had fun with it. Um, but this is a strange okay, and acceptable good. place for me. <laughs> so we're okay. This must be really awkward for you, Fry. You love trash, and yes. Yeah, I do. I should like this. I it's should a little, enjoy this garbage. It's a little too close to some to other trash that you love, I think, might be the problem. Um, yeah, possibly. There is better trash that is doing the things this movie is doing. Just to be clear, Dee says that as a friend, not to throw yeah, shade. Yeah, obviously as a friend. <laughs> yeah. um, Everybody knows that I really love trash. trash. <laughs> I am trash. I Just live in the any trash. Of our, <laughs> read any of our premiere reviews. Bri writes a fair number of them and actively chooses the trash. <laughs> I just A couple of people have expressed sympathy for Vry, saying, oh, I'm so sorry that you had to write the review of this show. And I've had to be quite clear with them. No, actually, we we did not assign this to Vry. Vry chose this. Vry has had agency through this whole process. <laughs> if it looked exceptionally stupid, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, about right. And Death Note has unfortunately turned out exceptionally It's not stupid stupid. enough. It isn't. It needs to be dumber. Ah, you're right. The middle act is not, you're the right. middle act isn't stupid enough. Um, mm-hmm. we, we have identified yeah. the problem. The middle act is the problem. Make it dumber. Death Note, be consistently high camp ridiculousness all the way through and then we can have a proper conversation (laughs) i think we have to wrap it up there we have run quite over so thank you so much everyone for listening um you can find us at www.animefeminist.com you can find us on twitter at anime feminist you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash anime fem and we have a tumblr animefeminist.tumblr.com We also have a Patreon, which is how we pay everyone for what they do. So patreon.com slash anime feminist. We we started doing weekly podcasts because we exceeded $1,000 a month in income. That is a fantastic achievement. It's not quite enough to ensure that everyone gets paid for all of their work every time. So please, if you have a dollar a month to spare, it adds up. People think that a dollar a month is them being cheap or them showing us that they don't value us. That's not true. We hugely value $1 a month patrons. We would love you to send us a dollar a month to continue our work. If you have $5 a month to spare, you get access to our Anafem Discord where you can have conversations like this with people every single day. And there is a lot of snark there and it's beautiful. (laughs) So (laughs) please, if you have, if you have a dollar or $5 a month to spare or more, go to patreon.com slash anime feminist and send us that money to continue our work and make sure people get paid. So thank you so much to Dee and to Vry for joining me on this journey of discovery. <laughs> and maybe we'll get to do the same again with a Death Note 2 Netflix. Let us know. Yes. Don't do this to me. Vry's <laughs> like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> you can and will. It'll be wonderful. And maybe next time we'll be in person with drinks in person. And that would be my ideal way to view Death Note. I yeah, think. we'll just MST3K it and so. put up the audio and uh, everyone can can sync it to the video file it'll be wonderful um you've heard it here first that's the plan next time death note 2 electric boogaloo